0: Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Last week I shared a little bit around some of our um, values at here at Central. We're just taking you know February to just dig a little bit deeper into who we are and how we express our faith in this community. Um, not to be all like visiony, but just to dig a little deeper and to remind ourselves that actually we are people who are becoming and being as we grow and that that's an important thing. So last week I shared about how spiritual growth and growing um, deeper into our relationship with God, being responsible for our own spirituality is actually a really key um, value here at Central. And um, today what I want to talk about is that our posture um, here at Central as it comes to um, belief, theology, justice, practice, um, is one of listening, curiosity and openness. And as a result here at um, Central we hold a fairly generous orthodoxy and that is something that is um, important to us. In our community, that we practice lis- deep listening, we practice curiosity and openness as a posture towards things. So I'm going to just talk a little bit about that um, this morning. Um, but first, I want to share like um, a story, a real life story, <laughs> real life story, a thing that happened. Um, so in May 1980, and I'm really aware I'm speaking to some Americans in the room, and so this is from your country. So I'm I'm you may know more about this than I do. But in May 1980, um, Mount St. Helens, which is uh, not far from where you used to live, anyone else visited it? Anyway. Um, it, it was a, a volcano and it erupted um, quite devastatingly in May 1980. And it, to this day, remains the deadliest volcanic eruption on US soil. Um, so there were, I think there was about 57 people killed and it just devastated um, the natural environment as volcanic eruptions do. Um, so yeah, the, the previous one was the mountain. That was what it was the, the year before the eruption. This is what it was um, a few months after it wow. erupted. So it actually lost about 400 meters of elevation. That's the, roughly the height of Mount Kira. So it just like lost so much. And then it developed a 1.6 kilometer wide crater. Um, so it changed the, absolutely changed the landscape of the mountain. And of course, as volcanic eruptions do, it just devastated and wiped out all, um, you know, the ecosystem, the wildlife, and everything that surrounded it. And so the area that surrounded it before this was like really pristine old forest. Um, you know, the kind of thing you, you, you can't get back. This is some of the difference between, you know, lush old forest, almost like moonscape afterwards. And, um, and I've got, yeah, I've got another, an aerial shot of like the difference. So in 1973, that's what it looked like. 1983, so that's a couple of years after it erupted, and then the year 2000, that's what it looked like from the air. And what had happened was scientists were expecting that it would take several lifetimes before um, the vegetation and the diversity from that space could ever regrow. Like they, it was just an utter devastating event. And at the time, that is what they thought would happen. Like it would just be like that kind of barren kind of landscape for a, a, quite a long time. But instead, like 40 years later, that space that around the mountainside has been just like proliferated with like lush grasses, The birch trees have started to come back. The wildlife is there. The streams and lakes are teeming with life. And it was extremely unexpected that that kind of thing would happen um, quite so quickly. And what they discovered, um, what they they didn't know then but they do know now, is that um, when devastating events like that happen in a landscape... Um, what existed or what happened was that there were tiny little pockets of diversity and life that, got, um, that the devastation didn't reach. So it was little things like there's an old rotting log and under that log was little mosses and ferns and microorganisms and creatures and that, what was under the log, didn't get devastated and then little pockets between two boulders. Um, a little, you know, a vol I don't even know what a vole was. That's what they said, little vol Like, what's a vole? A rodent, a, like a mouse? A rat? Much more dignified than the vole. Um, little little warrens, like little tunnels, animal tunnels that contained, like, some animals. So these, they discovered these little pockets and they called them refugia which were just these little safe refuges in which the biodiversity and the richness remained and because of those little refugia that were just tiny little pockets scattered over this devastated mountainside within 40 years it's it's come back to teeming life now it will take still couple of hundred years for it to get back to old forest status. But the scientists were really surprised by how quickly and, and how robustly life returned. And um, they say that these refugia are like little pockets, tiny places where plants and creatures are safe, hidden shelters where life persists, and out of which new life emerges. And when I think about that idea of refugia, that is what I think churches should be like. Not because the world is a devastated landscape, not at all, I don't believe that. But but we as communities of faith should be like little pockets of teeming life and diversity, pockets of safety and refuge where you know, things can grow and out of which new life emerges, that in a way can, you know, spread and make diversity happen and goodness flourish and life flourish all around us. And so that's kind of like a little picture of how, in my imagination, I see what churches should be like, what communities of faith should be. And that's, I guess, part of my hope for who we are and what we are becoming here at Central. Psalm 46 and verse 4 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. One river, many streams that bring joy to the city of God. It um, wasn't really until my late 20s that I truly discovered that Christianity has traditions other than the one I was raised in, and that these traditions actually contain the breath of God and the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit and a a picture of Jesus that is simultaneously familiar and foreign to the one I was raised in. And in some ways, I'm equal parts um, delighted and relieved that I discovered this and slightly embarrassed that it took me so long um, to, to realize that, my faith tradition wasn't the centre of the universe. Um, discovering this diversity within our faith tradition probably saved my faith because the stream that I was raised in had probably done me as much harm as it had done good and I was probably pretty close to being washed up on the shore, <laughs> another casualty of fundamentalist evangelicalism. Um, so I'm very grateful that I discovered that. Some of this I've, I shared late last year when we had our Losing My Religion Day, but I just want to re-share some of it to all of you here this morning to just so, so you hear a bit of where I'm coming from. So the culture of Christianity that I was raised in, and as I say this, I lay no blame at the feet of any people, nor, like, my parents were great, the church I was raised in was great. Um, It it formed me, and I'm very grateful for it. But it's more about the culture, the vibe, you know? The culture of Christianity that I was raised in, in the 80s and 90s and beyond, um, definitely sent me this message. We are right everybody else is wrong. Um, We are good, everybody else is bad. We are superior and everyone else is slightly less than or inferior. We are safe and everything else is a little bit dangerous. We have the truth and everything else is not quite right or at worst full of lies. God is with us and for us but God is not out there and at times I was probably even sent the message that God was against the world in a way that he was for us. Um, we are saved and everybody else is lost. That was sort of the, the paradigm, cultural paradigm that I was sort of raised in um, and that included not only, you know, ter- ter- terrible binary language of Christian and non-Christian but that included like that was my, my brand of Christianity was that and other brands of Christianity were on the outside and so the Catholics were very suspicious and probably not saved and very dubious that they you know revere Mary and maybe even pray to her and that probably meant if I was pushed when I was 11 they will probably go to hell because they prayed to Mary like um, other denominations were dead but we were alive anyone resonate with that culture um, people who had diff- differing politics to us even within the church especially those social justice types they really didn't understand that the point of life was to have a personal relationship with Jesus I was definitely raised with that and many of the other traditions I just quite frankly had never even heard of <laughs> so um, but at some point probably in my mid twenties or growing, which is appropriate and this is what should be happening to all of us, that our black and white simple faith understanding, it, it stopped working for me and I, I hate to use the word working because it kind of implies that faith should work for you, faith is not something that works for you, faith is something... That is bigger and greater than working. But what I mean by that is that just like, I, I, I needed deeper streams to drink from. I needed better answers than what I was given. I needed more space in which to discover who God was and how God was acting in the world. But And my, my faith tradition wasn't giving me that. I needed something more. And so the last 15 years or so of, of my faith have been discovering the riches of our faith tradition and enjoying... Finding joy in each of the streams of what they bring, um, as well as so like there's been it's been a time of really like enjoying and um, finding joy in the depths of different things. But I've also been incredibly challenged and humbled when other people's understandings of Jesus have revealed my own arrogance or narrowness or. The self serving kind of nature of the Jesus that I had. And so I feel like in these middle years of my life, I'm being formed afresh. I'll call it middle years. That sounds good, doesn't it? I've hit that. I feel like I've been formed afresh into the likeness of Christ by the richness and diversity within our faith. And I really do feel invigorated by what I'm discovering. And these are some of the things that have given me life. I I'm so grateful that I discovered the contemplative stream of Christianity. The mystics who have taught me that God is truly present in all things. That all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well, as Julian of Norwich says. The mystics and the contemplatives, they gave me and taught me how to walk in the dark in a way that my upbringing, my evangelical upbringing, didn't prepare me for. They've taught me how to find God in empty places. They've given language to the wilderness spirituality that I've experienced. They've invited me to see that God is not somewhere out there that I need to access or uh, perform for or um, move or something like that. But God is in all things and there to be discovered. And he's... He's deep within me and, and others and within creation and he's always speaking and listening and wooing us towards wholeness. And the, the contemplative stream is, is teaching me the enduring gifts of silence, solitude and stillness. Um, over the last 15 years or so, I've been learning to listen to the wisdom um, present in all our faith tradition the wisdom of the early church mothers and fathers and the desert abbas and ammas who have lived for god the apophatic tradition eastern orthodox theology all the saints and doctors of the church the rabbinic tradition that we we follow on from Um, celtic spirituality benedictine and ignatian and franciscan ways the Anabaptists, the Quakers, the Puritans, the monastic tradition, all of these things that are the refugia and richness of our faith tradition, they've been energizing and forming my faith in these last little while. And it's its really saved me, saved my faith in a way to learn about um, and listen to the theological streams that I never knew existed, things like Liberation theology, black theology, indigenous theology, feminist and womanist theology, eco-theology, queer theology, process theology, narrative and sacramental theology, open theism, missional and incarnational theology. The list goes on. The diversity, the richness within our faith tradition is enormous. And it's the river of God. Where there are many streams that make glad the city of God. And so all these things are kind of like forming me. And I guess as a byproduct of that, are forming us as a community. As together we sit and learn and grow. And it has become really important to me as a person for my own posture of faith that I that I maintain a posture of listening and curiosity and openness to things that's become really important to me rather than being dogmatic or certain or dismissive it's become really important that that's the posture that I hold and it's and I guess that's the way we've been reading scripture together over this last little while we've been learning to read scripture with fresh eyes um to, and I realise as I do this, as I, the more I read scripture like with this open and hospitable and generous posture, the more I realise that this is actually what God has been calling his people to be like from the beginning. It's just that as, as humans we really struggle, I think, to, to maintain these postures. Because it's much safer for us, and actually it's a human tendency, to gravitate towards that which is the same as us and that which is comfortable. So the natural, what what happens naturally in our humanity is that we do, we gravitate like towards like, we gravitate towards that which is comfortable and safe, and we gravitate towards that which confirms what we already believe. So it's actually counter, um, you have to kind of like counter some of your tendencies to actually become a person who will make space for and listen to people who are different and to ideas that are strange. Um, that will make make place um, for, the, for what's foreign and strange. That's like a, a practice that we have to... It doesn't come naturally. It's something we, we can adopt. And it's something I want us more and more as a faith community here to keep adopting. So I want to just read out some of the sec, um, selections of Scripture that speak into this so you can see how across the whole arc of Scripture... God is inviting his people to richness and to diversity, to openness, to curiosity, um, to welcome those who are strange and different and that which is strange and different. So let me read, I'm just going to read them out. They will come up on the screen so you can see them. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes and he says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That means that everything and everyone who can say Jesus is Lord is of the Holy Spirit, even if it's strange or different to to what you're used to. I love that. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, some are conservative, some are progressive, some are black, some are white, some are foreign, some are different, but we have all been baptised into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. In the Old Testament, it was really important to the people of God that they welcomed the foreigner and the stranger. This was really important that God embedded this into them because he says to them, you know what it's like to be a foreigner in another place. You know what it feels like to be odd and alien and different. Therefore, you make sure that you never perpetuate that feeling of isolation and marginalisation within your spaces of belonging. And so we hear, "'Do not oppress a foreigner, "'for you yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners "'because you were foreigners in Egypt.' "'And again, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, "'do not ill-treat them. "'The foreigner residing among you "'must be treated as your native-born. "'Love them as yourself, "'for you were foreigners in Egypt.'" I am the Lord your God. The prophets go on to say, and in Isaiah it writes, don't let foreigners who commit, commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I am a dried up tree with no children and no future. The prophet's speaking to this idea that there shouldn't be exclusionary tactics in the kingdom of God there shouldn't be those who are welcome and those who are not those who are right and those who are wrong those who are safe. it's it's speaking of this radical nature of inclusion that all are welcome all who love the Lord have a place in the life of God for this is what the Lord says I will bless those eunuchs who keep my sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit Their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one, it will not disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve Him and love His name. My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too, besides my people Israel. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I needed to hear that growing up. I needed people to be saying to me, There are other sheep around, <laughs> not in your sheepfold. Jesus loves them too, and they might actually have wisdom for you. Don't be so black and white. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Ephesians 4 Be completely humble and gentle. And finishing with the the great vision in Revelation. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every tribe, nation, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand and they cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And this posture we see reflected throughout all of Scripture, this posture of openness, this posture of humility, this posture of welcoming the stranger, this posture of listening to those who are different from us, welcoming those who are different to how we are is part of what it means to be a person in the body of Christ. And this reflects itself out or at least we're attempting to reflect this out in our community here. And I think that this value of openness and listening and of welcoming and being able to sit with things that are different in order that we can discern what is the joy in this stream, what is the gift in this stream, how might this bring life to us, that, that's part of the posture that here at Central we want to bring to our, our theology, our our. Orthodoxy, you could say, how we, belie- how we believe and also to the way in which we do justice in our community. So I just want to talk a little bit more specifically about those two things in terms of like who we are at Central. So here at Central, we will practice a generous orthodoxy, a recognition that there is much depth and breadth within how our historical faith tradition. Our aim here in our church is that you won't be told what to believe, but you'll be challenged to grow in how you believe. We will hold our opinions about our beliefs lightly and we will expect growth and change over time. That's what it means to be healthy and whole. That over time, the way you hold your beliefs And occasionally even the opinions you have about certain things within faith should shift and change. Doubt and uncertainty are welcomed as important realities of being people of faith. We will aim to always be more interested in how we live out what we believe than how eloquently we can express our beliefs. We agree with Paul who said in Galatians 5... 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love should be the overflow of all that we believe. Love triumphs over theology. We will keep growing to recognize the lenses that we bring to our beliefs based on our background, our status, and our prior church experience. In other words, we'll work to be able to understand and articulate just why we see things the way we are. And we will recognise that that doesn't make it absolute truth. It just makes us formed in a particular way with lenses to read. Things through. So we will seek to be open to reading the Bible through different lenses and acknowledge that people across times and traditions have seen different wisdom in the same texts, and we might listen to them in order that we would discern the wisdom in the text for us. Here we value diversity, and so you can expect to hear different people preach with different perspectives. We don't see that as conflict. We see it as maturity. Sometimes you might hear something you disagree with. That's OK. Um, we're not aiming to be monocultural in how we communicate. We hope that each of us can adopt and maintain a posture of listening and openness and curiosity rather than judgments, so rather than making snap judgments. Um, We'll try to maintain a listening and curious posture. Does this mean that anything goes? No, it doesn't doesn't mean that anything goes we absolutely believe in the centrality of Jesus Christ to our faith and the gospel which is Christ died Christ risen and Christ will come again we believe that we hold we are Christians people who follow in the way of Jesus and we will always seek to anchor ourselves in Jesus's words and his teaching and and his attitude but as we do that as our anchor goes down deep into the person and work of Christ our posture will be one of humility not one of dogmaticness that we recognise that we only see in part and we need the fullness of all people to see clearly in, in full and that even with that, this side of eternity, we won't fully see Jesus as he really is. We will always try to listen to one another and carry one another, always pointing each other to Jesus as we fumble our way along. And I, I'd, I'd like to think that Central is a, has the capacity or the ability to be a, di- a di- diverse community. Um, but the truth is, the more I think about diverse communities, the more you realise that there's actually only so much diversity a community can hold. And I think that's okay. So I'm not talking about, we're aiming to be all, we're not aiming to be all things or people, we're aiming to be ourselves. But within that, our posture is is openness and curiosity. Um, Like a a good example would be if someone came into this church and was a rabid unbeliever in women in ministry, do we have the ability to hold the diversity of that in our church? Probably not, to be honest. Number one, they would be irritated every time a woman was standing up the front. Are not nice for them, and depending on how passionate they were about spreading their views, it would be not nice for everyone else. So there's some diversity that a community can't... It, it's, you can't, like... It's not like any... That's what I mean. It's not like anything goes. We're still ourselves. Um, there, it's, there's challenges to being able to hold tension within a community, and I want to acknowledge that. Um, that it... Yeah, that there are actually genuine challenges. But we do want to be courageous enough to open a to, to have an open posture to listen to respect to grow especially to people and ideas that are different to what we're used to doesn't mean we have to swallow them I'm not saying we just accept it's like listen discern there's life here for me or there's not in our um morning service last week we did a um a little, we did a few things, but one of our spiritual practices was a reflection on some of Julian of Norwich's um, words, and we used a little hazelnut to kind of like, because one of her visions was about a hazelnut. Anyway, uh, like there was someone in, in the crowd who absolutely hated it, got nothing out of it, thought it was rubbish. That's okay here. That, that's welcomed here. It's not like, oh, we're doing this thing on a hazelnut and everyone has to be like loving it. No. Like there's diversity. Some things work for some people, some things don't. That was life for some people. Some people just thought, that's a hazelnut in five minutes I can't get back. That's okay. We, we can hold that. We don't all have to be the same. Um, We are who we are. We're not Catholic. We're not Orthodox. We're not Anglicans. We're not Celtic. But we have all of those streams energising us and making glad who we are here. So that's a little bit about how we hold our theology. In terms of justice... And I'm leaning in a bit to like Becca's, Becca's realm. So if you want to say anything afterwards, Becca, you can like correct me, not correct me. But when it comes to justice and the way we're, we're seeking to outwork um, the, the justice and the mercy of God in our context, what we're doing is we're seeking to like really lean into issues of justice, knowing that our wholeness, our shalom, our healing is tied up with everyone else's. We're growing in that understanding. Um, We want to recognise that everybody is on a journey, um, certainly with issues of justice, with wrestling, wrestling with how our faith expresses itself in these areas of injustice and justice. And we want to have a community where we're patient with one another as we learn and as we grow recognizing that there are some people in our community who are really passionate about particular areas and there might be other people who've never even considered that their faith might have something to say to that particular part. That's okay. We want to be a space where we can grow together. Here at Central, we we want to grow in our recognition that Christianity has throughout history often being complicit with power structures and systems that have perpetuated oppression towards people who bear the image of God. We want to grow in our recognition of that. We want to keep recognising the need that we need to decolonize our faith, acknowledging at times that we have been both recipients and perpetrators of harm especially towards our Aboriginal brothers and sisters. We want to grow in the understanding that the most dominant worldview lens of Australian Christians is white, Western and patriarchal. We want to recognise the ways that those things have formed us and then we want to decolonize those spaces in order that we may be whole and that those we love and those we live with may also know wholeness. We want to grow in our understanding that while we're not to blame for originating oppression, we are responsible for facing the realities of the effects that oppression has in our society and the ways we benefit from that and are privileged by, from systems that give certain people power And strip dignity from others. We want to grow in these learnings and understandings. We hope that here we'll find fellow people to walk with injustice, in not in in in, pause justice, (laughs) Um, who will encourage us and probably irritate us in equal measures. I would say that one of the main ways that I've grown in my understanding of the importance of my faith and justice is by being confronted and being irritated. And it's not been a pleasant process, but it's been really good for me. And so I'm quite happy to sometimes hold spaces that are uncomfortable and are confronting, because that's actually some ways how we grow in these spaces. It's okay. Um, As individuals and community, we will always attempt to lay down our privilege and stand with the marginalized. And here at Central, we believe that the table of the Lord is long enough and wide enough for everyone and nobody should be underneath begging for crumbs. And so we will continue to grow in our celebration of diversity, providing welcome for all people of different ethnicities, abilities, sexualities, age, gender or race. Because we believe that every person is made in the image of God and is worthy of respect and love and dignity. And so these are some of the things that we're becoming, attempting to become, fumbling our way towards. This is the posture that I want us to keep having here at Central, posture of openness, of curiosity, of of listening, that we would not just gravitate towards those who are the same as us, but that we would practice what God's people were always pra- taught to practice is to welcome, to welcome the different, to welcome the alien, to welcome the stranger, to be hospitable in our posture, in our thinking and in our beliefs and in our practice towards justice. So that's what I wanted to share this morning. And just um, so it's not, you know, here at Central we also believe, it's not just like I don't just get to say, I don't just get to say what we are, we are becoming this together through conversations, through listening, through um, all kinds of things and so just to finish I've got a couple of questions that I wouldn't mind you, you reflecting on just with the people that sit around you um, if you 're if you're sitting next to your husband or wife and you, you know you, you can have this conversation with them in the car on the way home maybe you know it's fine if you want to but maybe you could go and sit next to someone different <laughs> and practice this. Here are some questions that I just thought would be good for, for us to just talk about and wrestle with as a community as we uh, finish up today and then we're going to come to the table. Having a posture of openness, curiosity and listening takes courage and the ability to sit in discomfort and discernment. How do you go with those things? And what's usually your first reaction to something that's foreign? Maybe if you can like think about that and share with someone, just like, Let's just like be honest about what our first reaction to foreign or strange things is. And then the second thing you could just wrestle with or talk about, it's hard to hold difference in relationship. It is actually a hard thing to do and it's even harder in community to hold tension. But what are some of the things that we can do or we can keep doing as an expression of the body of Christ here that we might be able to hold the tension of difference well? as we love one another. So how about we just, you know, just in little groups of two or three, just, you don't have to do both of those questions, you can just pick one, but how about we just take five minutes to just um, talk about this, share some ideas, wrestle it through, um, bring some things up that you'd like to share, sound all right? I'd love to hear a few people just sort of share or feedback some thoughts that came up in your discussion, something someone else said that was really good, just it doesn't have to be answers to the questions it can just be thoughts that were raised for you guys as you're chatting could be challenges could be yeah anyone want to share something <laughs> Justin, All right.
1: we were talking about lots of things but um i've previously been part of a church where people have left that haven't been treated well and i didn't do anything i didn't ring them up i didn't really even pray for them or my wife might have known them I didn't really you just sort of let them go and move on and that's not the same as colonisation but there's some level of um, yeah these people had no power and I just was complicit or whatever the right word is and it's like somewhere in this is sort of changing to not be that person it doesn't mean oh that church was bad we're good that wouldn't happen here it doesn't mean that It means, um, I don't know, I don't even know the rest of the sentence, but there's that. Hopefully that is a good
0: answer. Yeah, yeah, it's the challenge of becoming, isn't it? The challenge of becoming something, always growing. Anyone else want to? Oh yeah, Becky.
2: Um, Yeah, so with some of the youth kids, um, we just talked about the idea that sometimes when something foreign comes to you, at first you're like, and then as the more you get to like think about it or you're the more you're confronted with it, the more you have the option for that to change and the more, yeah, so sometimes there is kind of a process rather than just the like immediate, oh yeah, this is
0: fine. It's good. It's very good. Eloise?
1: Um, We talked about how um, sometimes the the openness and the curiosity for different practices is much easier than sitting with uh, a theology that doesn't click with your character of God in your head. And so maybe baby steps is basically what we got to at the end of the conversation I think don't try and bite off more than you can chew but listen to other people chewing
0: <laughs> that's, that's great that's Luke's pet hate listening to other people chewing
1: it just occurred to me as we were discussing it but one of the reactions that I think I get to things that are foreign and strange and different is fear and I guess recognizing the fear and facing that and being open to change is part of the journey.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Fear is an automatic reaction to things that are different and learning to hold that it's a difficult thing, but a a healthy thing.
2: Hello. Hello. (laughs) Um, I was just thinking now I didn't say this in our group, but um, yeah. In in parenting, um, I'm often quick to shoot off a no <laughs> to whatever it is uh, that disturbs my peace. And um, yeah, it takes me some time to realize, why did I do that? When it could have been a yes straight off the bat. But um, I realize that my, yeah, my no is very limiting on, on my personal peace because it's not gonna stop <laughs> what's being asked. <laughs> A lot of the time. And it's, you know, where there's actually no harm to me, but it's just like it's the thriving of my children and a lot of the yeses that come. Uh, or, you know, so I was, I was talking about how um, usually the, it's, it's a sense of discomfort and agitation to my personal peace in terms of like theology or um, yeah encountering people that um, cause me to, yeah, question that peace. What, like, what am I holding to? Holding on to, to um, yeah, feel solid in myself, and then I realize I'm not solid in myself because that person's not solid without me, me being open, and um, yeah, moving towards being more inclusive, I guess, yeah.
0: That's great, Chris. Yeah, made
1: sense, Michael. Yeah, a couple of things that Chris said um, sort of sparked off for me that um. I think first thing I thought we need to do is listen as a community to listen deeply to others Um, but I think what you shared Chris was listening to yourself as well there's a lot of stuff deep inside us that we're not aware of really Um, listening to Jesus Holy Spirit deeply within us Um, yeah and also bringing like I think um I'm a, a bit of a peacemaker and just passive. I like to go along with people but realising that I have something to bring and that might mean that that butts up against other people and there's difference there. And I think, um, yeah, we need to have courage to bring things openly and, and hold our own space but also to hold that lightly, like you said, Kara. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wonderful. Well, the kids are back for communion so we'll... Not, not bore them with our conversations. Um, this is something that, that I am like wanting us to just, speaking it out loud is an act of us becoming, being maybe intentional and aware of the things that we're aiming to grow in and the kind of community we're hoping to be in. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza beloved member of Central.